Hello, welcome to the Am I a Bad Mom podcast. I'm your host, Christy Ritz-King, trauma therapist, maternal mental health specialist, and mom of three. I have met so many incredible women through the various careers I've had over the years, and no matter where they are along their motherhood journey, they are powerful, they are brave, they are successful in their lives, and none of that matters because they all ask the same question at least once, and that is, am I a bad mom because fill in the blank. There are any number of ways to fill in that blank. And our mission with this podcast is to provide you all of the reasons why the answer to that question is unequivocally no. Every single time, no matter what, the answer is no, you are not a bad mom. And we're here today to show you exactly why. So welcome. We can't wait to help you feel better about the parent and the person that you are. Let's go. Hello, (laughs) welcome back to this episode of Am I a Bad Mom podcast. So today we're going to talk about a couple, well, one thing, but for a couple different reasons. This was airing in like smack in the middle of the holiday season between Thanksgiving and New Year's. So it's Christmas, it's Hanukkah, it's whatever else you choose to celebrate, winter solstice, whatever you have within the season, there's a lot of stuff in this season. And so I want to talk about rituals and routines around this season, but really in the vein of how are you taking care of yourself? Moms, dads, if you're listening, aunties, uncles, anybody who has children in their lives during this season, how are you taking care of yourselves? Because it can be really overwhelming. So I usually start with a story, but I'm going to save the story till the end because it doesn't really work so much right now, but it's going to be relevant at the end. (laughs) And so I want to start with why I'm picking rituals and routines. So a while ago, as part of a presentation to a school on trauma-informed classrooms, you know, the, the old sort of trope of the three R's, the reading, writing, arithmetic, anybody remember that from a million years ago is supposed to be like the foundation of a classroom. So along those lines, I came up with the three R's of safety in a classroom, which is ritual, routine, and relationships. And I realized in kind of doing that presentation for the teachers, the staff and faculty of this school, I realized that actually those three R's for safety sort of travel along everybody. Yes, they make sense in a classroom, but really they're just sort of the basis for a lot of the work that I do in trauma recovery and even just regular mental health work the three R's of safety, if you will, the routine, ritual, and relationship, if you can sort of focus on those things, and you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about tuning in and understanding your expectations and being curious and all of those things, they kind of fit together. So if you think of the three R's as like your foundation of regulation and safety, and then to get there or to ensure that those things are working for you, you have this tuning in process, this expectation, setting your expectations process, this communicating and curiosity process that you're continuously going through to sort of ensure the foundation of those three R's. So what do I mean? First of all, let's talk about what I mean. And when I talk about safety, what I mean is like emotional safety is I'm not keeping you safe from an intruder, but these things can keep your family and your dynamics safe from emotional dysregulation or from beyond emotional dysregulation. We're all going to see where to be emotionally dysregulated from time to time, but from like real, real long lasting effects of emotional dysregulation, these three R's can help sort of keep you from, to prevent some of that and also keep you to able to repair some of that. 
So what I mean by them, and you might be thinking like routines and rituals are the same thing, but routines to me are more basic. You know, they're the things you do every day to sort of run the household. They're how you get ready in the morning, how you get everybody out of the house in the morning, how you do homework in the afternoon, how you feed them. Like those are the sort of routines that we have. And you may have more than you know, and you may have them in fewer areas than you think you do. So for instance, I just said, like, how do you feed your family? You might think, well, I have a routine for that. But when looking at it, you might realize like, oh, we're, we're eating a lot on the fly, or we're eating a lot in between different drop offs and pickups, or we're eating whatever, which is okay. Having an understanding of that is helpful, whatever your routine is, whether it looks the same as somebody next door or not, as long as you have an understanding of what the routine is, that's helpful. If there is no routine, if it's just sort of a like, we make the decision in the moment every single day, that might be worth examining. And so routine is the sort of everyday running of the household and how you do it. Ritual is kind of a routine, but with some extra sort of spirituality or mindfulness involved, or there's a little bit of an extra layer to the ritual that promotes sort of that self-care and coming back to self idea. And then relationships are pretty self-explanatory, right? To feel safe sort of in yourself, you have to have a have them because we all function better with connection. We all function better in relationship and then B have safe ones that feel good, equal for both part per people involved or all people's involved healthy and well for both. So that's what the three R's are. And then how do they come into this season specifically? So an interesting thing that happened with routines and rituals was around the beginning of COVID when I was doing a lot of like online showing up in people's business meetings to try to give some quick tips on how to cope with life in lockdown. We relied on rituals and routines a lot. And for some people, it was their first sort of awareness that they even had them, that there were things that they either were missing. For instance, a commute was a big one. A commute, people realized actually they had sort of ritualized the commute in some ways, meaning they always listened to the same podcast or they always listened to the same music or it was their time to wind down between work and home or they always read that's when they caught up on their news was if they had a train commute or some other kind of commute. The point is people didn't really recognize necessarily that they had some of these routines and rituals until they were taken away. And they didn't realize the importance of those routines and rituals until they were taken away. And so one of the ways that we helped people cope through this pandemic early lockdown phase was to get back to some routines and rituals or to bring routines and rituals into their life. So we had a lot of people that would go outside and I had, I worked with a lot of folks in the city, so they didn't have a backyard they could go into. And at that point you couldn't even really go walk around the park, but they would have a window they could go and have their morning coffee in or open that window, no matter what the temperature and allow sort of the outside in for a little while. We had lots of people that got plants (laughs) and then ritualized that taking care of their plants. So yes, it's a routine and that you do it every day, but there's some ritual around it and that you make it sort of this part of your day that feels good to you. It's not just brushing your teeth. It's what is the bonus you're getting back from doing the thing. We ritualized teeth brushing. (laughs) Yes, the routine, they had the routine of brushing their teeth, but when we added meditation to it or we added some affirmations in the mirror to it, that ritualized their teeth brushing routine and turned it into something a little bit more self-care than just 
routine maintenance of your teeth. So it was an interesting time because we realized, I realized the importance of those things. I sort of codified the importance of those things and other people recognized it too because they had lost it or they hadn't lost it and they hadn't realized how much they had relied on this thing that they were doing day in and day out because it just became rote almost. And so a lot of time, a lot of the people that I worked with sort of went back to the power and the importance of those daily routines and rituals. And then they ritualized some of those routines where they added both to it. So coming back to the holiday season, especially with kids in the house, <laughs> you are probably awash in routines and rituals. And I have some thoughts on some of them, but really, as always with me, it's going to come back to this idea of you tuning into your own needs and, and desires and expectations and your needs and desires for your kids. So let me just start with some of ours. So my kids are grown now. And so our rituals are changing a lot. For years and years, one of the things that happened was I started with this crew. And then as the kids grew up, it just became them and their dad going to Christmas tree places and cutting down a live Christmas tree. Now I did not grow up with live Christmas trees. We had a fake tree. <laughs> we put it up the same time every year. We had it decorated within an hour. It was not, I don't want to say it wasn't joyful, but it was more of a chore. Decorating my house growing up as a kid was a chore because I was the youngest one. And so there was only my older sister still lived at home and my mom and the three of us did it. And it was like this obligation <laughs> to get the tree up and to decorate it. And it was just, it was, there was nothing enjoyable about it. I got to be honest. And so then we fast forward to, I uh, get married and my husband is this like jolly old Saint Nick. He comes from this house of magic where everything was a ritual, where everything was magic and tis the season and all of that stuff. And so he sort of, you know, lightly demanded. I don't want to say demanded because it makes him sound like a guy who demands things, which he is not, but was very enthusiastic about a live tree. And so that became part of our holiday ritual was going and getting this live tree. Now, when my kids were younger, we literally went to like the parking lot in front of a liquor store <laughs> and got this tree. So it's not like whatever. And Ives, what is that? One of those like fancy holiday paintings. It wasn't one of those. It was just very Jersey. We went under this like creepy clown <laughs> sign in the parking lot and got it. But it actually became kind of a family ritual, you know, including the creepy clown to the point where when that, I think it was around COVID too, when that place stopped selling trees. Remember there was this year where we had like a Christmas tree shortage and they stopped having them there, but we were like crushed <laughs> by this thing because that had become our place. Like that was our place that we went. Anyway, that was also the year I stopped going. So my husband found Actually, I found a Christmas tree farm that might be pushing it, but it's definitely much more of like a Hallmark movie situation where there's like a little red house that you go and pay for your tree. And I think they had hot cocoa the first year. And, you know, I never have gone. I found it on Instagram. A friend of mine got their tree there and I was like, this looks lovely. This looks like something out of a movie. And my husband took the kids and that became their thing. The kids and my husband would go get the tree. We would all decorate the tree. I would sort of take care of the decorations around the house while they were out getting the tree, whatever. The point of this whole story is to tell you our rituals have changed over the years as the world has changed, but also our rituals have changed as my kids have grown and our rituals never really looked like what you might think they do anyway. Again, when we were first married and living in a completely different place, we got our tree from the volunteer firefighters. They did it as like a charity. Same thing in a 
strip mall parking lot. <laughs> it was not fancy and Hallmark movie-ish, but it was what we did. And it was our tradition and it became a thing, a ritual and a tradition that we that we did every year and that we missed when it was gone because we moved to a different place. Same thing here as our creepy clown <laughs> lot no longer sold trees. We had to find actually this lovely Christmas tree farm looking place that you would think would be much more appealing and lovely, but it wasn't our tradition. And since then, my kids have moved up and grown out or grown up and moved out and they're not even in the house for it. So it's a very different vibe around here at holiday time anyway. My husband and the last remaining child will go and get the tree this weekend, probably not when this is airing, but when I'm recording, they're going to go and get it over the weekend. We'll decorate it. It'll be a little bit more like my childhood growing up where it just becomes a task, (laughs) but then it's decorated and we love it. And then there are rituals throughout the season too, where we have gotten, as we've sort of upgraded our house, we now have like candles in the window, the little flickery candles that as a kid, I always thought like those people that have those candles, like they've made it. (laughs) Like they really are doing this thing right. And look, my life has not, I'm like, I'm no, I'm not suddenly that person who's getting it all right because I have candles in my window, but there is a part of me that's very satisfied and loves sort of turning them on every night and seeing them flickering in my window when I drive up to the house in the dark sometimes. So we've evolved, we've changed, our rituals aren't exactly the same, but we definitely have some things around the house that we do. I'm drinking out of a mug right now that I only drink out of during the month of December because we put it away with the Christmas decorations at the end of the year. But it's it's fun to pull it out and start having my coffee from it for a few weeks. So we have them. We look forward to them. They bring us some sense of peace and joy. Even if I don't love the decorating, I love it being decorated. So it's worth it in the moment for me to know like every morning after that, I'm going to come down and my house is going to have all this light in it. It's lovely. The point is, (laughs) as we have grown and our kids have grown and evolved, our rituals and routines around the holiday have evolved. And one thing that we have tried to remain constant in them, and I'm sure this wasn't the case in the beginning. I'm sure when my kids were small, I was not doing this well because it would never have happened if I was doing it well from the beginning, I think. But I have slowly but surely adapted things so that I am at a kind of peaceful level throughout the season. If you're not watching this, you can see me sort of when I do peaceful level, my my hand is still kind of moving up and down like it's on a roller coaster. Because I think if you think you're going to have total like zend out peace during the season, I'm not sure if that's 100% possible just by virtue of the fact that there are astronomically more things than there were a month ago happening in your life, especially if you have younger kids. Luckily, mine are older and I no longer have the holiday shows and the holiday concerts and the end of the semester picnics and, you know, all of the things that sort of go into this season, we do not have anymore. I can remember very distinctly my last holiday show and thinking like, this might be one of the best days of my life. Because the ritual of the holiday show was forced upon us. It was not something we wanted to do. I mean, my kids did, I think, except the last one never wanted to be part of it. It was torture. Like in the early days, it was I had to 
find the finances to get them outfits to wear because they wore uniforms to school. So they didn't really have fancy clothes that they could wear to the holiday nights. Once we started to have enough money that we could get those, my kids didn't want to do it anymore. They hated having to be there. They hated having to dress up. They hated having to be in the backstage when it wasn't their turn. They hated it. It's always like a Tuesday night and you have to like, my husband would always be late because he'd be working. It felt like more frustration than the payoff at the end when their cute, cherubic little faces were singing some holiday song on stage. That was lovely, but I did not miss it when it was gone. <laughs> and I celebrated internally when I went to my last one. So some rituals and routines you have to do whether you like it or not, but for the most part, which is why I don't think you can get that sort of chronic state of peace, because I think that you're going to be doing things that you don't necessarily want to do that require some effort that you might not want to put into it. That said, everything else that you have control over, you should take inventory of and decide whether this is a thing for you or not. We, somewhere around when my kids were probably like 10, 8, and 6, stopped sending, well, no, we it was a slow burn. We started sending, what are they called? New Year's cards instead of holiday Christmas cards, those sort of went away too. <laughs> so because that, that whole thing fell on me, I had to do the pictures. I had to order the cards. I had to address all the envelopes. This was back before. Well, no, I could have done mail merge, but I didn't know how to do it. So that was actually more trouble than it was worth. But I had to stamp them. I had to lick them. I had to send them out. It was all mine. My husband did not participate in that at all. So I stopped after a while because I realized that it was much more stressful to me than sending them. I mean, than not sending them and much more stressful than like the payoff of sending them. This was also sort of the rise of social media too. So I felt like I was in touch with a lot of people that maybe I would have just sent cards to. We still get cards from people and I'm so appreciative of it. And every year I tell myself, this is the year we're going to go back to sending cards again. And then I don't, and I regret it actually, because I'm like, I don't want to get fewer cards. I love getting them. <laughs> so I feel like I need to do my part and send them out too. But for now, we have eliminated that from some of it. I used to do a calendar every year for my in-laws of all the pictures. And then my sisters-in-law started having babies and I couldn't keep track of everybody's kids. And so the calendar kind of went by the wayside too. I do regret that just because it was a nice thing to have, but I actually think my mother-in-law does it for herself now. So it's not completely lost, but it was one of those things where I was like, okay, I got to let go of this. I can't hang on to it. And the reason I tell you all these things to tell you ours, our sort of rituals and routines or lack thereof is to illustrate the importance of that safety. When I was doing all of those things, when I did the cards, when I had to do the kids Christmas holiday concerts, when I had to do their, I don't know, all the other things with the holiday parties in the classroom, having gifts for their teachers, all of those things. I hated the season, hated it. Couldn't wait till January 1st because I was just tired. I was tired all the time. And I thought I'm dropping the ball on something every year. I was convinced of it. In the early days, we had no money. So it was like trying to find presents for them was a nightmare as well. As that dissipated, then it was just like, we're now buying all these presents. We have these cookie things. We have these things we do. One thing, and I thought one day, I thought, I can't, this is too much. Like, I'm not meant to hate the season. And certainly they can't be good for my kids either if I hate it during the season. There has to be some level of joy in the season for me. Hey, listener. 
If you appreciate what you get here as far as support and camaraderie and feeling like you're not alone, then I think you should really check out the Women of Wonder community that I run. It is exactly that. <laughs> it is a community full of support and camaraderie and you are not aloneness. It is meant to replace the old fashioned Facebook groups that we used to love before it got so mean and snarky and Facebooky. It is a place where you can ask the questions you have, where you can share the joys and share the sorrows and expect a supportive response, non-judgmental response. We meet weekly via Zoom. So we have people from all over the world that come and join us. And there are other supports like newsletters and uh, message boards and all of the things that you can and want and need in your life to provide you that support and scaffolding to help do this job we call motherhood. Check it out on my website, wonderinkwellness.com. It's called the Women of Wonder Community. And you can sign up today and get two months free if you do a year subscription. If you have any questions, again, always send me an email, but I would love to see you inside. And so I started eliminating things that felt like a heavier lift than was necessary or even doable at the time and kept some of the things, i.e. I stopped going to the Christmas tree farm or the Christmas tree parking lot, if you will. First of all, I, I think I have an allergy. So like I would help with it and come back and my arms would be red and like blotchy and all of this stuff. So, hey, maybe don't grab onto the tree if you're going to break out afterwards. So I stopped going to that, but it didn't stop the kids. And now they have these beautiful memories with their dad and picking out the right one and sending me pictures and asking if I'm okay with it and whatever. And I just get this tree that magically shows up in my house, which is lovely. It all worked out. They don't think I'm a worse mom because I don't go get the Christmas tree with them. And I don't think I ruined their Christmas by not getting the Christmas tree with them. And I was able then to be much more regulated when it was time for decorating and all of the things. I didn't resent anybody for making me do it. And so that makes the rest of the stuff better because I'm in a better position to enjoy it. There was one thing that we have done that I have done with my kids for as long as I can remember called Hooky Cookie Day, <laughs> where I used to take them out of school for the day. And we would make, you know, batches and batches and batches and batches of cookies, wrap them up, take them into, they would then take them into school the next day and give them out to all the staff and faculty that they wanted to. We brought them to neighbors. We did all these things. It was four different types of cookies. You know, when they were little, they were nothing but company. They weren't help when they were little. As they got older, they actually became great help with it. They did a lot of the measuring out. They did all of the packaging up for the teachers. They put the labels on for everybody. Like they were big helpers. And we were this family that just gave out Christmas cookies every year. As the kids grew, each one of them brought different things to that. The youngest one was just not a fan, didn't really like it, sort of, I think, felt like he was an indentured servant that I was making to this work that he was choosing not to do anyway. He loved having the day off school, but I think he wanted to like lay around and play video games. And so it was kind of a constant battle to keep him in the kitchen with us, which I eventually realized, like, what am I doing this for? Why am I fighting him to stay in here with me? when he is miserable. And so it, I sort of loosened up a little. He still stayed home and he still was part of it and he still helped with the like execution. I, I didn't feel like I have to keep him in here to make us all have fun. <laughs> you have those moments as a parent where you're like, 
dang it, we're going to have a good time whether we like it or not. Like it was definitely one of those moments of this forced ritual that I realized was like, actually, no one's happy because of this. And this sort of flies in the face of that safety and welcoming and calm that the three R's of are supposed to bring to you. It wasn't great for our relationships. It wasn't great for, it wasn't as a ritual. It wasn't calming and fulfilling. And so I just adapted. It didn't stop because I loved it. The older kids loved it. I actually think the youngest liked it too, to some degree. He just didn't like to have to do all the cookie work. And so we kept doing it and we loved it, but we adapted it to some degree. We loved it so much in the fact that it's one of those heartbreaking parent things that we don't do it anymore. That this was one of those, like, it was sort of the, at least for me, sort of biggest moment where I realized they're grown these kids are grown and they're gone was that even we maintained it through high school to some degree, we would get most of them. There was one year where I think my daughter had an exam. And so she came home half day, but for the most part, we had everybody through the oldest two in high school. And then when the oldest went to college, I think we even made it so that she came home and we did it in that week where she was home and they were still in school. But then after that, it was just too hard. We couldn't keep it. And they don't, they come home from college. They do not want to be baking cookies with me. (laughs) I envision someday down the line when they're adults and maybe even have kids of their own, like that will be fun if they decide like, we're going to come home one day in December and we're going to make cookies. Like that'll be great. But the cookies have been pared down. I don't make nearly as many. I still make some for neighbors and friends, but I don't obviously don't have elementary schools to send them into. So I know it was a ritual that was worthwhile because I miss it I miss it. (laughs) And so I know it was a thing that hopefully they'll remember. Definitely I remember and hold very dear, but hopefully they'll remember as something that they could, they can hang on to as like a nice part of their childhood too. And that gets me to my part of like, you know me, I love tuning in. And I've already talked a lot about how I had to tune in and sort of figure out, well, what makes me not just happy, but like able to make it through this season in a way that's good for all of us. And I also had to tune into them. Like, what is it that's good for them? But the second part of that is what are my expectations and or hopes for this season? I think a lot of times we get caught up in this season doing what we think we're supposed to do or doing what we think we need to do to provide them the memories and the experiences and stuff that will be helpful I think sometimes we get caught up in doing things because we think it's what we're supposed to do, or it's the thing that will give them the moments and the memories that we think it will. If they didn't, you know, if I was doing it for myself or if I was doing it because I want, you know, we kind of get into those like forced, like, this is the thing that's supposed to happen. If I was doing it for that and they were kind of miserable about it, well, who's that serving? (laughs) What is my expectation there? So checking in to know, like my expectation was that I was providing this opportunity that not only felt good to me, but that I hoped they would take with them into their adulthood as like a cherished memory of our past. Also, it was a very practical day. We got (laughs) knocked out a lot of cookies that we were able to give to people as gifts. That was part of the season anyway. So it, it was kind of a twofold mission. But at any point in that, if I had noticed like my kids are hating this, then I would have needed to check my own expectations and be like, I can't keep doing this thing that my kids hate. If the only reason I'm doing it is because I think I'm providing them this great memory. If it's obvious, it's not a great thing for them, then I need to cut it out. So not only are you tuning into your own self and what you need 
and what they need, but you're also tuning into like, why, why am I doing this? And I'm going to get into, (laughs) I'm going to get into my favorite topic of the season, the elf on the shelf, because, and this is a hot take and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this. I hate the elf on the shelf. (laughs) I hate the elf on the shelf. And if you have kids in the room, pause and come back to this later when you don't have any little ears listening. I hate the elf on the shelf because I think it is emblematic of everything that's wrong with modern day parenting because it is this burden on most parents. Now, I know, I know there are people out there who love it. They love it. They love the ritual of it. Their kids love the ritual of it. They get into it. I was just talking to somebody the other day who's taking over. The kid has grown enough that they're taking over for the younger sibling. Love it. Such a great plan. Such a great idea. It's a perfect example of are you tuning into your expectations and are you being realistic about what everybody wants and needs in this situation? I know for us, especially at the time when that elf first came to be, we were not financially in a position where we had any bandwidth for anything extra. And I was not in an emotional position where I had the bandwidth for anything extra than just raising three children. (laughs) And so if I had had to remember and be able to come up with something creative to do, even if it was just move it from one place to the next, I am certain I would have forgotten that at least one night. And then I would have been upset. Other kids would have been upset. Everybody would have been upset. It would not have been good for anybody. So I just kept that thing out of my house. I kept it out of my house. I was like, it's not going to help anybody. My kids, lucky for me, they kind of only mentioned it. They didn't really clamor too much for it because it ratcheted up as the time went on. When it first came out, it was like, you just move it every night and have it in a new place. Then it was like, as with everything, with the advent of Pinterest and, and Instagram, there were these elaborate schemes And not only that, but sometimes there were presents involved. And so I'm thinking like, if I'm financially strapped as it is, I don't need extra things that we do every single day. So for me, the elf was a terrible idea. We kept it out of our house. We never had it in the house. We told our kids we were never going to have it. We don't have elves here. We don't need the elves here. We've already got the Santa list. We're good to go. You don't need anybody watching over you anymore. Again, I'm not trying to take it away from you if you love it. If you love it and your kids love it, more power to you. That is a ritual you should hang on to. But if you are doing it because everybody else is doing it, or because your kid says everybody else is doing it, or because your kids are upset that grandma gave it to you and you're not using it, phase him out. Because all it's doing is adding stress to your life. All it's doing is blowing these expectations up in a season where they're already sky high. And so if you don't have the bandwidth for the shenanigans, don't do it. Or If you're doing it because you think you're supposed to, and not really because it's something you want for your kids, then don't do it. We put so much emphasis on things we think are going to be their memories. And the truth is we have zero idea of what they're going to hang on to. Case in point, here's the story that I told you I would tell you. A couple years ago, I think she was still in high school. Maybe she was in college. My oldest wrote a poem. Poem? I don't know. A short something. I think it was supposed to be a poem, but it's like a very descriptive one. And it referenced, it was about our home and about her childhood and growing up. And it referenced pictures on the wall in mismatched frames, some with no glass. But let me tell you, this poem was everything you hope as a parent, your kid thinks as an adult child. I read it and was like, oh my God, this is 
20 years of validation that I never expected. You never expect to be so validated like I was with that poem. It was like so beautifully written and such a tribute to everything her dad and I did for them growing up. The home we created, it was such a tribute to the home we created in growing up. She specifically points out a thing that I know in my body I was mortified by, which is we never had matching frames. We moved so many times in those early years that some of the frames had broken glass and I couldn't afford to replace them. And then in the years when I could afford to replace them, I was like, I don't have the bandwidth to go and spend $100 on 20 frames so that they all look white and cute and whatever. We never had them. But I was mortified by it. I was like, this is indicative of you not giving, not caring enough. I had all these stories in my head about these ugly mismatched frames and how my kids were going to think that I was a terrible person because I had ugly mismatched frames, some with no glass. Here this kid is 20 years later, writing about these ugly mismatched frames with such affection and totally seeing in it, like it didn't matter that the frames weren't to her. This is what the poem communicated. It didn't matter that the frames didn't match and it didn't matter that they were ugly. It mattered that I thought pictures of us and their artwork was important enough to put on the walls of our home. I'm gonna, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> she saw something that I meant, but did not intentionally no, in that moment. So here I am trying to create all these memories for my kids, trying to create something for my kids. And then inadvertently, the thing she hangs on to is the thing that I'm most upset at myself for, which is that I couldn't like make it pretty. <laughs> but she's absolutely right in that I saw those frames were ugly. I saw the glass was broken, but I still wanted the pictures of us up on the walls because we are what was important. The pictures of our family, the artwork that my kids created that for 20 years, I wanted to mat it and frame it and have it in these fancy places. But also I knew that wasn't happening and I didn't want it to just pile up. So I would put it up. I would put it up in whatever mismatch frame I could find or whatever like poster, you know, sticky tape I could find. And she, she got that. She was able to say, I grew up in a place where we were important, not the frames that our pictures were in. And that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And if I had been honest with myself back then and said, well, all I want is to communicate how much they're loved, I would have been able to let myself off the hook about the stupid mismatch frames. I didn't do that then. I'm trying to get you guys to do it now. They don't care about the elf. <laughs> they don't care if Santa is thinking of them. They care that you're thinking of them. They care that you are putting in the effort. They care that you are creating a place that they love, that they feel loved. And it doesn't have to break you in order to do it. Again, if you love the elf, please, by all means, give us the elf. Share the elf, talk about the elf, do whatever you want to do. But if you find you've got these things that you're doing year in and year out during this season that are threatening to break you, then that's not more important than whatever memory your kid takes. What's most important is that you walk through the season with them feeling good. That's what they're going to remember. And so try to not only tune into your needs and your kids' needs, but look at what are your expectations for this? What are you doing all of this for? There was a moment where I stopped sending the Christmas cards where I was really worried that nobody was going to send me a Christmas card. They were going to take me off their list when they stopped getting one from me. And then 
that didn't happen. I mean, maybe it did, but I didn't, you know, I still get enough that I didn't notice. I'm assuming some of the people that don't send me Christmas cards are like me and just not sending Christmas cards anymore. But the fear that I had, which was like, I have to do this thing because if not, then I won't get the thing that I want, which is to hear about other people's families. That didn't happen. In the end, that's not a reason to do it. A reason to pick these rituals and, and routines, the reason to make routines into rituals is ultimately for the safety and joy of your family. And if you're part of your family, and if you're not feeling safe or joyful, then it's time to reevaluate those rituals or routines. So I'm not calling this the anti-elf on the shelf podcast, but it could definitely be a subtitle. And only because I feel like the elf, I hear more about how stressful the elf is then I hear about how fun and exciting the elf is. Again, that might be just the little vacuum that I live in and, 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 that, and that the people that I work with live in. But if, to me, it has become the symbol of everything that's wrong with modern parenting, where the expectations to create this magical, mystical thing are so high that we end up actually hating the season. So if you can take a few minutes this season and pull back and say, what is it really important to me? What is it I really want for my kids? And what is it I really want from this relationship we have? In 20 years, when they're writing a poem for their college English class, are they gonna talk about the elf on the shelf? Or are they gonna talk about the, the essence that you have created in your household of love and kindness and joy? Maybe you do it with the elf, but I would guess there's a million other ways you can do it that are less stressful for you and that are just as effective for your family. Again, I communicated something that I wanted to communicate. I thought it was about how it looked. My kids did not need that. What they needed was to know that they were loved and appreciated and honored the way that they were. So looking at your rituals and routines and your relationships this holiday season, are you serving all of those well to keep you feeling safe and maybe even a little joyful? That's the big question. No matter what the answer is, I can promise you, none of it makes you a bad mom. <laughs> Just the fact that you're wondering is reason enough to know you are a very, very good mom. That's all I got for today. Thank you for listening. And until next time, keep reminding yourself that you're doing the work and your kids will feel it and know it and they are very sure you're not a bad mom. Take care. Welcome back to me time. It would be very easy for me right now on the, the midst of this holiday episode to talk about Hallmark movies because that is definitely one of the things I do for myself during the season to feel a little better. I have my little holiday mug. I even have a mug that says this is my Hallmark watching, my Hallmark movie watching mug. <laughs> and I usually spend Sundays when my husband is watching football that I don't care about. I do care about some football, but there's he'll watch it all day long. So when he is either out playing golf or watching football, my gosh, we sound so stereotypical, don't we? <laughs> Let's be clear. He didn't play golf for like 20 years because I wouldn't let him. <laughs> Speaking of stereotypes, I, when we had small children, it was off the table. So he is making up for lost time lately and plays a lot of golf no matter what the temperature is. So when he's playing golf or he is watching football that I don't care about, I tend to um, go downstairs to my basement and sit with my fake tree and watch Hallmark movies with my special Hallmark movie mug. That's my me time stuff that I do for me. But also I wanted to talk a little bit about last minute gifts because I think by the time this airs, we might be in that like you can only do Amazon Prime or actually go to a store uh, window of time. So one of the things I have that I found and it is very specific, so you can't give it to everybody and it's certainly not for kids. It's called my little bag of sweary affirmations. 
and they are little cards. It's like a little like drawstring bag if you're listening and not watching. It's a little drawstring bag and inside are just a little pack of cards that say things that are very irreverent, but also very sweet and kind. Like when the world says you can't, I say effing watch me. and meet up with a friend and have a good bee session. So, you know, just cute little like, (laughs) I like this one. I am my own best friend. Other people are total, um, I'm just going to say it. We'll we'll bleep it out. (laughs) Anyway, um, they're cute. It's cute. They're cute little like last minute friend or, you know, in-laws or somebody just want to give a cute little pick me up gift to coworkers, things like that. Teachers, if you have the right kind of relationship with your teacher, they're called my little bag of story affirmations and they're on Amazon for like eight bucks or something. You can get a bunch of them. So those are fun. The other two, hold on, I have it listed. So I'm going to tell you about it. Yes. The other two, because they're both from Amazon. One is um, a Kindle Paperwhite, which is like, you might be like, what year is it? You're talking about Kindle Paperwhites. But so my kids and I have run the gamut of we're voracious readers. One of them is a very much paper book person. Actually, the two readers are both paper book people. But one of them has recently talked about how maybe they might want a Kindle for because it's easier to carry around than a 600 page tome page tome that they're reading. So I recommend the paperweight as opposed to like the big tablety one, mostly because it's thin, it's easy to carry, you can hold it with one hand. And also it's really much easier on your eyes. If you're getting it for anybody, actually, if you're getting it for anybody, I was gonna say anybody old like me, but really anybody, it's just much easier on your eyes and you can read it outside. So as somebody who likes a beach read (laughs) or an outside on my porch read, This was imperative for me because the other ones, you just get too much glare on the screen. And so this way I just have the way that the thing is not backlit is much easier to read in the sun. You don't get any glare off the screen. It's not a glass screen. So you just get a better experience all around and you can still read it at night. So I hesitated for a long time to get one because I read at night, like with it propped on my nightstand and all the lights in the room off because I you know, my husband's asleep. So I'm reading, you know, well into the evening <laughs> with my Kindle and the paper white, the new paper white works that way. It's got enough backlight that you can keep it on at night and have it be the only thing you're reading. And it still doesn't hurt your eyes. So Kindle paper white, you can get it relatively inexpensively. And then the other thing from Amazon that has been sort of surprising and is very on trend right now for your kids, you, your friends, your family, are those sort of cable knit sweaters. I would say Irish fisherman sweaters, but they're decidedly not. They're cotton, first of all. They're not wool. So they're cotton cable knit sweaters. They come in a variety of solid colors or they have some that are stripes and things like that. And they're Amazon Basics. Literally, that's the brand. So, and they're they're nice. They're cotton. They're not like, you know, polyester blend or anything. They're full cotton sweaters. Amazon Basics, not that expensive great last minute gifts because it's Amazon Prime, you get them like that. So those are my me time segments. What I'm noticing things that you can do for last minute gifts Tis the season for that. I also have to give a little plug and it's a little late, but maybe if you do New Year's cards or anything like that, a very good friend of mine is a graphic designer who makes the most adorable Christmas cards. Sarah Hawkins Designs is the label and they are sold through both Tiny Prints and Shutterfly. So if you're looking on Tiny Prince and Shutterfly, check out Sarah Hawkins designs because those they're just really sweet and cute and a little different than some of the other stuff you'll see out there. So I always recommend hers if you're going to get from either of those brands. 
Okay, that's all I got. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you have a minute, we would love a review. We would love, you know, just a rating. If you want to subscribe, we would really appreciate subscribing. And of course, share with any of your friends you feel like might need to hear this. Thanks so much. Until next time. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. I hope you heard something today that made you feel better about your parenting and about yourself. Remember, if you have a moment, we would love a review. It helps more people to hear about us. If you like the episode, share it with your friends. And of course, subscribe so that you know when it's going to drop every single week. Thanks again. Until next time, keep asking those same questions and know that the answer to am I a bad mom is always no. Oh,